Hello, welcome to Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-hosts are John and Chris. How are you guys today? I'm good. Doing swell, guys. So basically the gist of this show is that we talk about films that I love based on whatever the topic of the episode is. And in the first half of the show, I talk to my guests about whatever the topic is. So today's topic is a guilty pleasure Christmas film. And the movie I chose is Batman Returns. Uh, But first, John and Chris are going to tell us some of their... Guilty pleasure Christmas films. Chris, you can go first. Yeah, so I guess my first pick, um, or like I would say guilty pleasure, would be Home Alone 2. Now, you know, I, growing, I grew up watching um, the first movie um, all the time. It's uh, one of my faves, for like especially for Christmas time. We actually have it as a tradition for our family to, like just with my, like, my, my parents and I, especially my mom, we watch Home Alone every, around um, the same time every Christmas. And, you know, it's just one of those movies that I grew up watching. And, you know, I've always I've always enjoyed that movie, like for like, you know, the near the end where the Marvin Harry get, you know, beat up by all the traps. And, you know, I've kind of there's stuff about that movie that's really grown on me, like story wise. And, you know, that's thing with the um, with the snow shoveler guy, the old man. Uh, that that scene at the end where he's like seeing his family that kind of hits me harder to, uh, than it did before you know I guess because you know being older so I, I finally gonna understand that a lot more appreciate it but getting to Home Alone 2 that movie um, it seems like a lot of people seem to enjoy that movie a lot more than like they kind of like did in the past I mean well one of the things about it is like it just kind of repeats the same story like well it's like it's very like kind of been there done that kind of similar story to the first and it, it but it's a different setting which is i think the cool part about it and um there are parts of it though that are, that are kind of like a guilty pleasure for me like i guess the the fact that um kevin McAllister's like his traps at the end of the movie are even more brutal almost to like to like a cartoonish degree but even despite that you know, I enjoy it for its like kind of like its silliness, and you know, a little bit of Tim Curry can go a long way. And um, yeah, it's just like you know, just having you know some of the same characters from the first movie and some just silly uh, traps and stuff at the end, and a little a couple of heartwarming uh, scenes. It's like you know, it's not bad. It's just you know, it just kind of it's more of the same old, same old, but it has a different setting. And, you know, it's got all this silly stuff that's still, that's actually pretty entertaining um, in, on, in its own right, I, I, I believe, so. Cool. Uh, what's your movie, John? My first one is um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town from mm-hmm. 1970. Yeah. And it's, it's not a great movie, but it's always on TV. My parents always somehow force me to watch it every year. And it's most famous to me. I love the LSD sequence. There's like a number where Mrs. Claus starts singing. Yeah, I know. And what the you're bright colors. About. Yeah. And I always joke that like the filmmakers were on like drugs when they made this <laughs> sequence in the movie. But that's what I always think fondly about the LSD sequence. And that's what I associate with the movie. But you know, like luckily for me, I try not to waste my time watching like bad things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I try to watch movies of quality. And stuff, if true, that makes true. sense. Like, I try, because time is not forever. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, Santa Claus... Way to bring the mood down. up. No, no, but it's not. <laughs> it's like, we only have a finite amount of time on this earth, and I want to spend it consuming good art 
And here, here. I don't want to spend it consuming Santa Claus is coming to town. But somehow, by the grace of God or whoever, I always end up being forced to watch this movie every year. So it always, like, stays with me. <laughs> forced to watch it? No, like, forced to watch it. Like, forced. Like, my parents will have like it on they, TV. Like, they pull a clockwork orange on uh, you, you and, like, just make on a you watch. Jacket. No, um, no straight jacket for me, but I do watch this movie. But is it still a guilty pleasure if you genuinely like it? Chris, oh. give us pleasure, your next one. pleasure. Like, you know, you might you recognize that it's not necessarily great overall or some parts of it that kind of uh, they're they're not like up to par to what you expect from say a good or a great movie, but there's part there's like other parts of it that you just enjoy and you enjoy, enjoy it like and you don't care what other people might think. I mean, maybe you do, but then you just like it's it's just something that you enjoy yeah. even though you know uh, it's like guilty of not being great or good, you know? That's true. That is true indeed. And in, in more, more in one way, but it, it really depends. It depends on your, I guess, your taste or the See, way you're brought like the up. Word guilty. Like even the nostalgia, you know, like whatever you grow up with, like yeah, there's so- stuff. There's movies I watch for like nostalgia around Christmas, but not, what's funny is, funnily enough, they're not Christmas movies per se. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. every, like every Christmas Eve, I always watch one of the original Star Wars trilogy. Like last year, I watched Return of the Jedi on Christmas Eve, and then the Christmas, oh, really? the Christmas Eve before that, I watched rise of skywalker mm-hmm. and then the christmas eve cool. before that i watched like the force awakens so it's always like a star wars movie on christmas eve yeah because reason. you know the, the the new movies they they kept coming out in uh, december so you know that's kind of a tradition so that's cool yeah nothing yeah. nothing really super Christmassy about the world of star wars <laughs> <laughs> not quite but hey that could, be a, right. that could be a guilty pleasure for the holidays i guess sort of um <laughs> what's your next movie chris Oh, well, uh, this one uh, might be a little bit div- uh, divisive. Um, I, I saw this movie uh, when I was a kid in the theater, and it's always stuck with me. And it's a, it's kind of, it, it is definitely a guilty pleasure for me. It's the Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh. Yeah, that movie I saw in the theater um, in 2000, like around that time, 2001. And, you know, I enjoyed it a lot when I was a kid, and I still enjoy it, mainly because Jim Carrey. It's like just the, his over-the-top, crazy, like, take on the Grinch, um, which I think it's faithful, for me, faithful to, you know, what the character is. But Jim Carrey adds his, like, you know, isms, his, um, you know, his crazy, like, facial expressions and just his, like, sh- uh, the shtick, Ron Howard directed the movie. He, he 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 just let Jim Carrey do whatever, and for me, it worked. Um, now the the rest of the movie isn't necessarily great, in my opinion. Like you know, the, the I mean, I guess the, all the stuff with who the Whovilles, like the people of the all the Who's. It, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's it, you know, it's sentimental. It's kind of cute, but it's like nothing that I really am like. I enjoy a lot, but what I really enjoy about the movie is. Jim Carrey's performance as the Grinch. I can quote nearly all of his lines from that movie. Um, I remember doing that one around uh, Christmas season a while ago, where I like on my way from work, I had the Grinch on my mind. Jim Carrey's the Grinch, and I was just quoting all the lines. You know, like I guess I could use a little social interaction, stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> so yeah, that's that is definitely a guilty pleasure for me. I know a lot of people didn't like that movie, but I mean. For me, at least, it's better than the live-action Cat in the Hat movie. Uh, that's that's even like I'm not. I, there's not too much I enjoy about that one. So, sorry, Mike Myers, but nah. Not bad. Um, 
What's what's your next movie, John? My next movie. Oh, you don't want to discuss how the Grinch stole? No, Christmas no, that's fine. And your one star letterbox rating? Okay. Yeah, which uh, which I looked at. Jack is a hater of the Grinch. Jack is a fucking hater. He is a hater. Yeah. Different strokes for different folks. I don't care. No, but it, like, you know, see, but the, a, you know not, what? What did they say that the Grinch? What, before we move on, what did they say that the Grinch is lacking in his heart again? Don't they say his heart is too small? Like really small. Yeah. That's how I feel when it comes small. to like these sentimental Christmas movies. Maybe when I was younger, like we watched Charlie Brown. I mean, we watched you know the stuff everybody watches. But I just don't get moved emotionally the way that some people get moved when they watch these movies. Maybe I'm just post Christmas. Anyway, oh, anyway, my next movie is Elf, directed by Jean Favreau, which <laughs> I believe is the last great Christmas film. I will stand hmm. by this. I, I think it's the last great. Do tell. Why do you think it's the last great, great yeah, yeah, Christmas say, film? Yeah, yeah, say, say. Because I just don't think anything has come out that's really transcended the culture the way that this movie does. When people talk about Christmas movies that are iconic and modern, as in they came out after 2001, we'll say they're post 9 11 yeah. Christmas movies. People talk about Elf. They don't talk about, you know, Dirty Santa or was it? Oh, I mean, never mind. I'm confusing Bad Grandpa with Robert De Niro. Oh. <laughs> no, but Wait, is it they don't talk Santa? about no Bad Santa, yeah. right? They don't talk about like oh. these crappy ass movies that these studios are churning out with these no name people. They talk about Elf because Elf has quality dialogue. It has an iconic performance from uh, from Will Ferrell and um, James Caan and Mary Steenburgen. And who else is in it? Um, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, Richard, and uh, Peter no, Dinklage. No, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm confusing uh, Step Brothers with and Elf. Peter, and Peter Dinklage. Uh, call me Elf one more time. <laughs> He's an angry elf. He's an angry elf. No, but there's so much quotable dialogue, and I truly think like that movie is a gift to the world from John Favreau. I just think it's like, like I have a hard time, and like I just said, like Christmas movies don't move me. Elf doesn't move me, but it makes me smile because I think yeah. it's I think it's brilliant. I do. Yeah, but uh, to add on that, um, yeah, Elf is. Um, I, I can't really think of any other Christmas movie that kind of stands out after that. Uh, however, you could argue Polar Express has a bit of a following, oh, like God. that movie. I saw that movie in the theater. Too, yeah, and I just remember like being so bored, like <laughs> like watching that movie. I just remember really hating it. I hated the Polar Express. I hated I it with a burning passion. Well, sorry to hear. I mean, I liked it. Um, I know some people had a problem with, like, you know, the animation wasn't really... Yeah, the animation really... must have thrown me off. Even at that uh, young oh, age, I must, have been like, yeah. I, I must have been like, this will never fit in the Criterion Collection. That was a... <laughs> it doesn't have to, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's charming enough, and I think it's, besides, like, the kind of wonky, you know, animation at the time, it, it's kind of, um, you know, I felt like it was fairly well put oh, together. I thought and... of one more really camp movie that I think we should discuss. <laughs> One more really camp guilty pleasure movie. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> the TV movie that TV we watched. Movie. It was like on Nickelodeon or ABC Family. Back in the early 2000s, um, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Came out in the year of 2000. Um, it has a 2.1 on Letterboxd. <laughs> But it's iconic. I can't believe that Santa killed Grandma. Fucking killed Grandma is the first review. Grandma deserved it. But what I remember about this thing is that there was this evil redheaded cousin Mel because she wanted Grandma's, like, fruit shop. She yeah. wanted to sell it to, like, the big bad businessman. Mm-hmm. So she arranged to, like, drug Grandma and kill, kill her. <laughs> and I just remember this being a very dark, dark, gritty Christmas movie. And I remember it really staying with me, like, all these years later. I always think, now that's a movie. 
That is how you do a Christmas movie. And then, of course, they play, like, the, the song at the end. You know, Grandma got run over. You guys ever hear the uh, Bob Rivers version of... Um, it's not like Grandma got run over by a reindeer. You know, he's a, he does uh, Christmas parodies. He's famous for that. Oh, like, yeah. the whole, like, pain, uh, the 12 paints of Christmas my true love gave to me. Uh, he did that one. That was That's his most famous. He did one where it's like... He came upon a roadkill deer. It's uh, it's Gosh. based off that one song. Oh, I, he, I came upon a midnight clear. Um, yeah. Not to not to piggyback on what you said, but when you mentioned Home Alone two, is that the one with the ugly lady? Well, it's the pigeon lady or the, the bird pigeon lady. lady. Yeah, the pigeon lady. Is she is she homeless or no? Yes, she's homeless. Yeah, she's homeless. Yeah. Oh, see if she's homeless. I don't want to put her down. Yeah. Though she's a fictional character. Because yeah, I remember know, but... watching that movie when I was a child and uh, like being very repulsed by her. <laughs> I just remember being very repulsed. I'm like, why is Kevin talking to this rando? Well, they yeah, kind of. That's why I kept thinking, I'm like, Kevin, run away from her. They she's kinda... scary. She's a nice lady. But she was scary. <laughs> I, I found of, her scary. They kind of initially want you to be grossed out by her. Yeah, say, say, like similar beat to Home Alone 1, you know, with the uh, you know man with the shovel. Who's that uh, ugly she... ass nanny in that kid's movie? Nanny uh, McPhee. Yeah, yeah. she like, yeah, she kind of reminds me of Nanny McPhee. Emma she didn't Thompson. look like that. She wasn't, that, makeup, she wasn't heavy that ugly. Makeup. She wasn't that ugly, but yeah. Uh, it's funny how refined your taste can be as a child, even when watching Christmas films. You're like, that is quality, that is not. That is quality, that is not. Yeah. Yeah, there really hasn't been a movie since Elf that's captured the world. Has there? Am I forgetting a big notable Christmas Like I said, movie? I feel like Polar Express is like a, comes at a distant second with that. But like, you know, there's some parts of it that kind of like let endure. Um, I love the Josh Groban song at the end. I don't know if you do, but, uh, you know. The oh, whole is that song. when you believe? Or yeah, that's the one. Oh, I love that God. song. I mean, oh, my God. He is song. such a gifted vocalist. I admire his vocals very much. But like, I just can't deal with the schmaltz and the cheese and the schmaltz. I mean, sometimes the schmaltz and the cheese work. So, you know, if the movie like, you know, earns it or. Or maybe like it's just to, like no, it's. Trump. I'm gonna write an Academy Award winning song for a Christmas film one day, and it's just gonna be like, yeah. "Santa yeah. is a facade that your parents came up with <laughs> to fool yeah. you and crush your hopes and crush your dreams and Christmas." Oh wait, that's that's um uh on my own. Yeah. From Les Mis. <laughs> like just on my own. I just no, ripped no, off. Yeah. Uh, no, not um. I ripped off Les Mis, but it's like. Uh, oh no! Wait, that's <laughs> no, not Claude Schoenberg wrote yeah, Les Mis. No, it's like, it was like it'll crush your dreams, and Christmas isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> I dreamed a dream in time gone by. Two, okay. four, six, oh, one. <laughs> that is like that, yeah. That could be a Christmas film. That'd be a very gritty Christmas I mean, film that's to show kind of, your children. That's kind of a, in a, a little bit of it has a, like a vibe to it that's like, hey, you can watch this in Christmas time, but it's you know depressing as hell. But oh, hey. incredibly depressing. Yeah. Okay, so you ready to get into it? Let's get into it. Okay. Let's get deep inside it. <laughs> so today we're talking about Batman Returns. <laughs> So Batman Returns is a superhero film released on June 19th, 1992. It was directed by Tim Burton. The screenplay was written by Daniel Waters, who also co-wrote the story with Sam Hamm. The score was written by Danny Elfman. It stars Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken, Michael Goh, Pat Hingle, Michael Murphy, and Vincent Chiavelli. The film takes place during the Christmas season in Gotham City, and business tycoon Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken, suggests to the mayor, played by Michael Murphy, 
to build a power plant to supply energy for Gotham. During one of his speeches, he is kidnapped by the Penguin, played by Danny DeVito, who wants Shrek to help him return to regular society. Meanwhile, Shrek's secretary, Selena Kyle, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, discovers Shrek's intentions to suck energy with the power plant, as opposed to supplying energy, and he attempts to kill her by pushing her out a window. Instead, the fall gives her a concussion that drives her crazy, and she becomes Catwoman as a result. The Penguin tricks the town into believing he is a poor soul wanting to rediscover his family roots, but Bruce Wayne, played by Michael Keaton, is suspicious and begins to investigate the Penguin's true plans. Um, so, yeah, this is a really divisive, just, just fucking crazy It's so crazy. Film. Like, listen, I had never seen it before, but it's funny. Like, obviously, I give movies, I try to give some movies that came out before today's standards the benefit of the doubt due to the increases in CGI and the increases in effects comparable to today's superhero movies, i.e. Marvel and DC. However, even watching this, what I thought was funny is it felt like the entire movie was done on a set. Like, it totally felt very Hollywood being pushed in my face. Yeah. Like, do you guys agree with me on that? Well, yeah, I could I could see that. I mean, it does, like, you know, back in the day and, you know, uh, with Tim, like, Tim Burton's production, there was, like, definitely a more practical uh, flavor. And, I mean, they, they of course, because it was, like, CGI was, like, still in its infancy at that time. You know, I think uh, T T two just came out, Terminator two, uh, the year the year before, and you know that was like groundbreaking at the time, and uh, you know they were still figuring it out. But you know they they did what they could with the the effects, and you know looking at the movie now, like just uh, from a technical standpoint, it really like it does hold up, and um, I think like of the two Burton movies, I they definitely leans towards his uh, his style a lot more than the first one that he did. You know. The, Batman 89. And so a lot, a lot of people kind of find it uh, more appealing because they, they like that Tim Burton style. And, you know, because it's more like a Tim Burton film, they, some people enjoy it more. And so, yeah, there's that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I'm usually not a fan of like, cause really the only Batman movies that I, I like are the Christopher Nolan ones I'm not really a fan of any of the other ones that came before it, uh, except this one. For some reason, this this one's very. I just kind of enjoy it, um, just because I don't know. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just a crazy film. I mean, this probably is like. I think the most crazy film would probably be uh, Batman and Robin. Oh, I love Batman. And, and Robin. this is probably Batman. like the second most crazy. <laughs> um yeah i don't know it's but just you, but why is it crazy dark, articulate it's why too. it's crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> just like the i felt the, such raw sexual energy coming from this movie well, like I, I i i i just felt like whoever wrote the screenplay who wrote the screenplay again daniel waters yeah daniel waters clearly was trying to fuck because this screenplay <laughs> this screenplay was just so horny like I just felt like there was sexual energy. Was ra- so there was sexual energy radiating from radiating from Michael Keaton. There was sexual energy radiating from Danny DeVito. There was sexual energy radiating, obviously, from Michelle Pfeiffer. And it Definitely. just felt like a cocktail of Viagra. This movie, <laughs> honestly, I can see that. I mean, yeah, I think like Tim Burton, like his style, like is <laughs> very like you know um, iconic, but all, for Batman, but also like, I would say it is more uh, maybe a little more sexualized. 
to a, to an extent. I mean, if you want to argue that Joel Schumacher was like maybe trying to go further with the bat nipples, but I don't know if that's like a good like a very well, strong argument. But anyway, uh, yeah, I can see what you mean there with being sexualized, especially with Michelle Pfeiffer, who you know. Like I feel like her performance uh, or in that like version of Catwoman for a lot of people is the definitive one. Though I feel like you know, there like the the iterations that we've had, there hasn't really been a weak one. Not that we've had a lot, but the ones that we've had on film are so far have been aces. Well, there's, there's been two. Yeah, just two. But I mean, Zoe Kravitz is coming well, up. Well, soon, Zoe Kravitz but, is coming out in the new one, but Anne Hathaway. And yeah. then Michelle Pfeiffer. I think Michelle Pfeiffer kicked ass. She saved the movie for me. I feel like her charisma out of yeah. everybody, I feel like if she was not in the film, it would not have been nearly as good. I, I mean, can, everybody yeah, I that. everybody in this movie gives a really good performance. Yeah, That's one thing I have to say about it. But does it know? save the movie? Can the performances save the overarching issues with the film? Mm. I mean, I still think that the movie succeeds in what it does. Which is being a really entertaining, entertaining film. So, yeah, like you said before, like just the sexual, like uh, vibes that yeah, the gen- that, the genesis radiating off of the screenplay. But as I was gonna say before, like it's just it's just such a crazy script. Like just like there's so like there's so many lines like especially like the stuff that comes out of the the penguin's mouth. Is oh just yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. That's, that's kind. Of, I think that's where a lot of the. Uh, wackiness kind of comes from you know is dan devito's performance as uh the penguin for me like the guilty pleasure of that movie is the penguin like dan devito just uh he he goes he goes some places uh, he just um he's just so disgusting in this movie and he he did creep me out <laughs> when i was disgusting. like when i was a kid he yeah, creeped the, creepy. the hell yeah. out and he's a, he's still like well seeing it today he's still creepy and disgusting but i also find him funny in a very like you know um, over the top way, you know the way he says certain things. He's like, "Your table is ready, may a couple of that," and he's like, like foaming at the mouth, and <laughs> he looks like Humpty Dumpty, like in his overalls and or whatever you call those things he's wearing. And uh, it's just like just the way he delivers certain lines, like like especially during the scene where Bam Batman's in his uh, car, his uh, Batmobile, and the Penguin's got control of it, and he's like uh, doing this arcade sort of like joyride thing with the car. And he's just saying, like, I, I should have said this, but my license is expired. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it, it's crazy. The the character, the villain character is like despicable. He's actually unlikable. Like, we're supposed to kind of maybe feel bad for him. But like throughout the entire movie, he's such a dick. And yet I enjoy him whenever he's on the screen like, with his ugly ass face and foaming mouth. It was just so... <laughs> So over the top. I, I, lo- I love it for that, though. You do have to suspend your disbelief a little bit when you see Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer get thrown out a window <laughs> and get up. I'm like, she would totally break her. Oh, neck. you said so she many funny. Die, Why would you I said say so many funny it? things during this movie? Well, okay, I had well, to write it down. Oh, you wrote ten. Well, first he said uh, that Christopher Walken looks like Danny Phantom. He looks like Danny Phantom to me. He also looks like Beethoven. His hair reminded <laughs> me of uh, Ludwig. Then and then another thing you said was, um, at, like, this was, like, right, this is the scene when we first see uh, Michelle Pfeiffer fight as Catwoman, and you said, how did she learn how to fight? That's what I want to know. How did she yeah. learn combat skills? She's just a lowly receptionist, and she's, like, doing Yeah, how did like, she go from, How did she go like, from, like, burning, she went from burning coffee to, like, kicking ass. 
Um, yeah, and then you you, all, you also said, um, this is, the, like, the horniest super movie I've ever seen in my life. It is, like, the horniest superhero movie. I was just so impressed with yeah. the raw sexual energy rating off of this film. I, I mean, saw her first. But Gotta fly! The penguin says, just the pussy I've been looking for. <laughs> that quote, <laughs> Catwoman, you poor guys always confusing your pistols with your privates. Yeah. The only way that, Catwoman, like, a movie... Life's a bitch and so am I. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. The only way, though, like, a movie like this could have gotten made was because of the success, though, of the first yeah, but Batman May movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Like, they were just like, well, you know, like, you made such a, such a success with the first Batman that, like, Tim, just go and do whatever the fuck you want. Could you imagine and, the angry, like, conservative parents taking oh, well, their kids they, to this movie? Well, this movie did get... There was some kind of controversy. Well, because they were selling... Uh, they advertised it to, like, really young kids. Like, they had, like, toys for, like, McDonald's advertising mm. it. And, of course, like, this movie's not, like... This movie's not really aimed at little kids. And all the parents... Show, like, all the parents this. were... You wouldn't were just, show, like, an eight-year-old this? What, what age would you know. show this movie? But all the parents were, like, really outraged by it. And so that's why, you know... Eventually, the the series went into the Joel Schumacher direction that it went into. Yeah, eventually, that's, yeah, so. and that's because um, you know the with Batman Returns, it was like it, it went dark in a darker direction. I mean, it was like the there was a campiness to it, and but there was also like it, there was parts of it that were really dark, especially in the nineties from people in the nineties. I guess that it, it turned some people off in the studios. Like, oh, we 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 can't you know continue with like you know Tim Burton's vision. They wanted to do something lighter, you know, and so that then that's how we got Schumacher. To yeah. our, well, maybe most of our dismay, you know? But without Schumacher and without Batman Return, uh, Batman and Robin, without Burton. we probably never would have gotten the Dark Knight, so. Exactly, yeah. So it has its purpose, you know? It, it, it you know, inspires, it, you know. But I just find it funny that the violence is such a deal breaker for some people because today, like, nobody cares. I mean, like, nobody really cares. I feel like violence, maybe our culture today is just more accepting of violence in superhero movies. But look at Joker. Joker was incredibly violent. And people are totally okay with that. controversy with that, too. Yeah, but, but there were uh, plenty like of dumbass parents who took their kids to see Joker screenings. Yeah. Really? I, I feel like they're not, they're really? not, I think yeah. people are more, um, people are they're more. they're less focused on the violence and more about, like, subject matter now. Now they say, like, oh, this this is, like, you know, I don't like this because it it brings up light to this one thing. You know what I mean? You know, they, they oh, make God, it political. I don't like it because my kids are going to learn about the real world. Exactly. Exactly. God forbid they learn that sexy women can wear black uh, latex <laughs> and kick ass. Yeah. God, she was so good in that movie. And she's all out of latex. All out, yeah. No, yeah, she was really, she really saved the movie. Not that Danny DeVito's performance wasn't good. His performance, I mean, all three of them, the Holy Trinity was very good. Michael yeah. Keaton, um, who else was I going to say? Uh, Danny DeVito Walken. and Michelle Pfeiffer were all really good. Christopher Walken, I felt like, wasn't used to his full potential. No, he wasn't. He was kind of, like, watered down. Yeah, like, I He's... felt like they kind of stifled him. But you can't deny that he is a gem in this film. I mean, Just... he has his moments. He's like, you know, if she threatens me again, then I'll drop her out of a higher window. Yeah, this is like Bruce Wayne. Why are you dressed as Batman? <laughs> like, just Batman, like you, you can just tell it. He's just like, oh, I'm in a Batman movie. Okay, I'll just go with the flow. Yeah, 
Like Whoa. he's just there. For, he's just there for the ride, you know. Whoa, Bruce Wayne. I'm Christopher Walken, and I just happened to be in a Batman movie. How much money do you think they chucked at Christopher Walken to be in this film, or all of them? And I, I would also say about like Batman Returns, like it was like the the movie that kind of like it, it had like uh, two villains, and you know they they always there was always complaints about how Batman was kind of overshadowed by the villains for a lot of the Batman movies. Like this was one of them, and you know um, I think they said there was another one, but uh, yeah, the, how how Jack Nicholson's uh, Joker overshadowed you know um, Keaton in Batman '89. Uh, you know, I, and I always liked I always liked Michael Keaton in the role. Um, I feel like you know, I don't I don't know. Like I, I don't I have nothing negative to really say about it. It's just I feel like with Keaton, uh, it was some. I guess uh, I, I didn't feel like I guess emotionally like invested in him um, like I am with say uh, the Nolan version for a good reason. But like, I feel like you know, yeah, he 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 was likable enough as Bruce Wayne and. He had a presence uh, in the costume as Batman, so he's definitely up there for me. But I, I wasn't quite emotionally invested in Keaton's Batman, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, Tim Burton was always way more interested in the villains in the yeah. in the in his Batman movies. It fits more of his style, his uh, sensibilities, like the wackiness, the yeah. you know, darkness. I oh, I don't want to interrupt. Oh no, go ahead. Like, I feel like there's something to be said, at least we all have the benefit of, like, years passing to kind of mm. critique these movies. But I was, I'm thinking back and kind of comparing the way these franchises are handled. I think it's all about cohesiveness. If you have the same director and the same actors throughout an entire trilogy or throughout a series of movies, there's ways to plan it better. Like, that's what I feel like the latest Star Wars movies suffered from a lack of cohesive vision. I feel like if Tim Burton maybe had gotten, like, a trilogy... Like Batman eighty nine, Batman um, returns, returns, and then a third movie. May I don't know. Maybe we would be thinking of it better because it would be more cohesive. Instead um, of if there's a different director on every project with the same characters, it can sound like it can be disjointed. Does this make any sense? Yeah, I, I know what you I know, mean. I know, I know what you mean about the whole like cohesive vision and all that stuff. But that's, and that's why I think the Christopher Nolan movies work so well because yeah, it was exactly. one singular creative vision, one actor, Christian Bale. Like one I felt like one director, one director, one actor, where they could kind of build up the trilogy from the beginning all the way up until the end. That's why I feel like those movies. Are so yeah, successful. I understand. Yeah, I totally get that you know argument, and it's definitely valid. And you know, I of course I've already said how I. How I I do I mostly love the sequel trilogy. I mean, it, the, definitely there's a couple of things with you know the the last movie that kind of fell uh, short for me. But overall, I love those movies. But yeah, like I feel yeah with um, with Burton, Tim Burton's Batman's like maybe it could have been better with a third movie. But uh, yeah, he went in a couple of directions that some people didn't like and studios that wanted to move on, and, and it was just a little too crazy for some people. And I guess like for the that movie though, kind of feels like you know what I think. It's a sort of thing of style over substance for uh, in some ways. It, it's uh, one of those movies that like you, it, it embellishes in sort of its visual style, its dark, its darkness, its wackiness, but it doesn't really necessarily tell a, um, I would say a coherent story or a cohesive story. Uh, you know, it's a kind of all over the place with like some of the focus. Like, is it focused on this? That is a bad man's. But it's you know. just funny, at least. But what bothers me, it kind of makes me angry a little bit. 
when I think about these past superhero movies in the 80s and the 90s, because today we have the MCU where everything is so interconnected, where I feel like it's so cohesive and I love that about that. And that's Mm -hmm. what almost bothers me about the DC Extended Universe, because those movies are not cohesive the way that the MCU is. But I guess you have to crack a few eggs to make an omelet, you know? Uh, Yeah, that's what the (laughs) Joker said in I-89. Yeah. Um, Well, because the thing You do see my point. Yeah. But but the thing that occurred to me, I think, while while I watched this, was that, like, it's a bad Batman movie, but it's a good Tim Burton movie. I could see if that. that yeah, makes yeah any I can sense. see that. I, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's very all over the place, but as a Tim Burton movie, it's got Tim Burton written all over it. Yeah, it was very And it cool. has all the Tim Burton-isms that... Just trademarks his everything. like the things that he's interested in and the stuff that he wants to show and that's what's really enjoyable about it and yeah, uh, and of course you just have like the great like over the top acting throughout the whole film it's kind of like um but that's what i say comparing ju- how could you juxtapose this and the dark knight i mean you can't like admit no. it you yeah. can't like there's yeah. just no way there's no way, but that's what I think is so amazing. Like I guess the evolution of these movies that nowadays everything is so interconnected. But back then, these studios didn't give a shit about continuity. They didn't give no. a shit about any of that, really. Yeah. Well, this was like way before the superhero, superhero movies well, had had. See, even I take it for granted because you know we think of the Tobey Maguire Spider Mans, we think of X Men, yeah. we think of like that was really the Renaissance. Yeah, right. I, I have a soft spot for uh, Toby. Uh, yeah, so do I. I hope he's in the new Spider-Man. I hope so. God. Yeah. Coming or uh, as Adam Sandler says in Uncut Gems, I'm gonna come! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, so oh. I, don't, I don't really want to know, <laughs> you don't know the what context. you're talking about. <laughs> you, you don't know the context? You've seen Uncut Gems, right? I have. I don't, I'm not sure if I remember that scene, though. You'll, you'll remember. I've only seen it once. Okay, back to Batman. What other stuff did you like about it, though? I did think it was stylized. Like, I really enjoyed the costumes. I enjoyed the makeup. I liked the part where Danny DeVito bites off that guy's nose. (laughs) I did actually like the campy violence. I appreciated the fact that this film was gritty in terms of the violence. I mean, he kills Miss Gotham or whatever, like the the blonde lady. Like, I don't know. There was some death. There was some death in this movie, which I appreciate. uh, Which I appreciated because sometimes I feel like they don't like to kill people in superhero movies. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but Danny Elfman's score, like uh, particularly, you know, his Batman theme is iconic, and uh, his music in both movies is pretty, uh, I would say, uh, spellbinding. It's very, it's kind of whimsical. It's a little dark, but it's also whimsical, and it just kind of really fills up the room in a way that's like, yeah, that's Danny Elfman. He when he goes big or he goes home, but most of the time he goes big. Now, uh, they did not need the Catwoman costume montage. I wrote, this was not needed. Oh. About that, because I felt like it was too long. Too long. Maybe. Cut it this, this whole, I think the whole movie could have been trimmed down a little bit. I and mean, that, it's not a long movie, but there's some scenes. Like, you know, like yeah, some excess. Could, yeah, that's what this movie is. It's kind of excess. You got, you know, the penguin giving a speech to his, pe- his, his fellow penguins. Like, the liberation of Gotham has begun! <laughs> it's like, over the top, but I kind of love it. Yeah, well, this movie does kind of... It suffers a little bit from, like, Spider-Man 3 syndrome. Yeah, it kind of does. Just, like, 
how like there's almost too many subplots going on almost. in the film and too many i mean you say that there's only two villains like with penguin and cat I mean, but really there's Chris three Walken villains is another one shrek is the third max shrek is the third one which by the way i i i love how they reference uh Max, uh, wait, they they reference Nosferatu wait, with Shrek that. and Penguin, and Catwoman. Catwoman. See, but I don't yeah. consider Catwoman a villain. It's funny you guys. But she can, teams up with but Penguin. But it's funny you guys consider her a villain. I don't. I view her most, as most people do. But, but I yeah, view her as like more, an of an, more of an anti-hero. That's the way she kind of flirts with both sides a little bit. Yeah, I guess that's what makes her interesting as a villain. But because she's like not always a villain. She's like she's a love interest. She's an anti-hero. No, she she's in a very interesting character. You she's know. probably the most interesting character out of, in the whole film. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Dan DeVito's kind of cut and dry. I still want to know how she survived that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is one thing, that's like, one thing. That's crazy. She got shoved out a window, and then all of a sudden these cats come up and start licking her, and she gets these cat powers. It's like, now how in this it universe? It makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's so stupid. It doesn't make any that's sense. So, so I guess in this world, if she you're thrown a out a window and you get bitten by cats then that means you're okay you and you become cat. Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. I like how self-aware she is of how many lives she has left. But again, like, <laughs> does she even really have, like, all these lives, or is she just fucking crazy? I think she's just a little I guess nuts. that's kind of open to interpretation in the nuts. film, but, like, I don't know. Yeah. It definitely goes places. Oh, God. Catwoman wasn't very smart, though. What she should have done... She should have trapped Bruce Wayne by fucking him, having his baby, and then she would have access to all his Wayne money. <laughs> yeah, she missed out on the dough there. She did. Although she's married to him in the comics now. Yeah. Oh, nice. So it all it all works out in the end. Yeah, just like it did in Dark, The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah. I always think of that scene of Marion Cotillard dying. <laughs> and that scene is so funny because she was so bad. Yeah. It's a little weird. I know that one it's moment bad. was really weird. It's a very bad scene, Chris. She's I mean, like, it's not like not, the scene is fine, but the, it's just the way she dies is the just way so she weird. dies is really funny to me. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know about. what you mean. Where Marion Cotillard dies. I, I love that movie, but yeah, there's some moments like that. I'm like, uh, that's that was a little awkward, you know? A little awkward. <laughs> yeah, Batman 3. No, uh, yeah, Batman 3 suffered greatly it's because you can't really top heath ledger as the joker that was really like the pinnacle of i, I love bane uh the, the, that version of bane though that's um for me i mean it like he didn't have to be the joke like uh, like uh, like outshine the joker but like for what they were going for i loved it so well every film i guess is a stepping stone until uh, somebody can make another great one so we would not arguably have had the dark knight trilogy without the Tim Burton Batman movies and the Joel Schumacher yeah. uh, fuck catastrophes that those were. They <laughs> well, were yeah, bad, but, right? Yeah. I, I, I saw Batman. Some people Robin. really like Batman Forever, but no. I don't know. I mean, man. at least it tried Batman to Batman and Robin's really bad. I just... Really I thought bad. you liked Batman I mean, I like it ironically. I don't actually it's like, like yeah, it. It's like a bit of you guilty, you pleasure. guilty pleasure. Yeah, but that's not a guilty pleasure movies. Christmas well, movie. It's, it's a guilty something. <laughs> guilty pleasure i mean uma thurman has a rockin bod but yeah um i i remember the side note i remember like growing up my sister used to quote scenes from batman and robin particularly like the uma thurman stuff and uh cat cat uh batgirl scenes for some reason she i remember her like quoting those for whatever reason and like oh yeah 
Now, I'm just curious, culturally, I guess superhero movies were not as big as they are now, but why? I'm just curious why filmmakers, not filmmakers, why studios were so dumb and they didn't realize the potential of the superhero genre the way that we do now. Because obviously, like, I clearly take it for granted. Because to me, superhero movies really began in, like, 2000. Like, that's when, like, superhero movies kind of, like, really... Yeah, Well, I mean, Batman 89 was the first, like, really big superhero movie like this was well, the one that kind of started superman in 78 though that was pretty yeah big. yeah yeah true was big but batman 89 was like when people were like oh you can actually kind of make a comic book movie adult yeah and that's kind of like where it kind of went from there yeah so but it was and, only, yeah you know it was only batman and superman at the time that was like the the, the most popular super uh, superhero characters and they, they still are the most popular superhero characters but like i think it was with like x-men when that came out in 2000 people then like the, i guess the studios they realized like huh all the multiple characters you know they're not as well known as batman and superman maybe we can go further with this and then you know two, spider-man comes out two years later and then the the, the, the snowball is history on the hill. well i mean because like batman and robin kind of killed it for a little while but then it kind of came back again with the Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Yeah. And then it was Batman Begins and then The Dark Knight, to me, yep. was like the starting point from where comic book movies have gotten today, so... And then the MCU, really, yeah. just like... I still think, you know, obviously we're talking very DC because we're kind of in Batman land for right now, but it's just... I'm still astounded at how cohesive the MCU is and there would there would arguably not be an MCU if it wasn't for this movie, I don't think. Or or just you know the first MCU movie, uh, Iron Man. You know, well, yeah, that that, was, yeah, but Iron Man would have never gotten green lighted if these Batman movies never got green lighted. Yeah, Studios had to see the potential in a movie like Batman eighty nine, Batman Forever, Batman Returns. See the success, the profits, the, the money. Success. Yes, money, the money, one million dollars, <laughs> money. What I want to know is, A, how did Penguin survive? Like, oh. How did he get food down there? The, the circus people. Yeah, but how did he make friends with the circus people? Well, well he had known them because he had worked in... Like, yeah, he had worked in the circus. He didn't actually, like, live in the sewers. That was just kind of like... See, a, I felt he lived in the sewers. So I was just thinking... It was where, a tall where, tale. But I was like, but, where does he poop? Where does he pee? Where does he eat? In the sewers. Where does he fuck? He, I mean, he was like on the ver- on the fringe. He uh, he found his way to the circus people. They took care of him, and I he see. would have these penguins in the sewers and stuff like that. Oh, right. See, I th- I thought just based on the movie, I was like, I guess he lived in the sewers full time. I was thinking, where's his bed? Yeah, I know. Like, where's his house? He he was in the circus for a while, and then him and his circus troop ended up Sir- in the sewers somehow, and they all became later. Cray cray. Awesome. They became gangsters. Gangsters. <laughs> Yeah, a guy with a, mon- with a little like little box with a machine gun and a monkey. Yeah, the closest I'll get to being a gangster is Grand Theft Auto, unfortunately. But <laughs> Me too. It's nice to fantasize I mean, about it. Yes, I mean I could be a gangster right now. I could be the Godfather if you want me to be. Like, oh, talk about the Batman dance. No one offer you can't refuse. Oh wow! Well. But anyway. Well, we yeah, um, HBO we're still, we're make... still talking about Christmas. No, movies, but HBO, right? HBO has to make Christopher Nolan an offer he can't refuse if he if he wants to put a movie back on with Warner Brothers again. He's, That's very, right. he's very pissed off over Tenet flopping. Yeah. I know that. Mm-hmm. 
it's a shame. Mm. But hey, I'm gonna I'm looking forward to that Oppenheimer movie that he's gonna make. Yeah. Has there been another camp Batman? Not Camp Batman. Has there been, like, a really camp superhero movie? Like, I would classify this movie had severe camp. I mean, you have the Schumacher films that came right well, after. Well, that was them, but, yeah. Like, any recent camp campy movie? Like- uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but has there been, like, a, I'm trying to think, would we classify anything in, in modern DC or MCU campy? Well, before the MCU, there was the other Marvel movies that came out, like Fantastic Four. Spider-Man 3 was camp. But all, no, we, all three... Sam Raimi Spider-Man films are campy. You so. think all three? See, I think just yes. the third one. I think of no, no, the, watch them the, again. The, you might be surprised. But the problem is, Man. like, yeah, the uh, the third one just kind of leaned more into that, and it was just so unfocused. Yeah, the third one was crazy. The, the villains, so, too yeah. many villains, so out of focus, and it was hard to sort of, you know, fulfill like the the the. Um, yeah, certain aspects of the story that they were trying to tell in Spider-Man 3. I mean, there are parts of in that movie that, you know, people like, you know, actually genuinely love and stuff about the story that kind of rings true the with the characters. But down the, the movie was just so, at, like, like Batman Returns is so out of focus and like so many villains to like, you know, where, what's the focus? What is the, um, the payoff is the payoff is um, the payoff is just diluted because there's so much that you're being pulled in all these different directions or, you know, too many villains or like the, the different clashing tones of like, you know, penguin and his wackiness or like the fact that, you know, Catwoman is this sort of this woman, who, uh, this abused woman in the workplace and stuff like that. No, I would never abuse Michelle Pfeiffer. No, nah, me I neither. Would let her serve me black coffee all day long. She can poison me if she like. She can poison you. No, she was very good in this movie. It's a shame they never did a Catwoman solo with her, and instead did the shit so Halle Berry. Uh, Halle Berry. That's another movie. one. Her part was so popular in this film that she, uh, they were there were talks of her getting her own spinoff film, and then, you know, somehow it ended up being with Halle Berry instead. But yeah. Halle Berry said she wanted to revisit the character of Catwoman with a different director. Oh, uh, really? Honey, I think that ship has sailed. You're like 50. What, what was the director's name of that one? Piof? Piof? Piof. 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 It's a film. Whatever it's short for. Catwoman. I love how it says. In Wikipedia, oh, wow. It's, it's just his it's, name. He just has one Pitoff. name. He just has one name. He was French. I love how it says Catwoman is a 2004 American superhero film loosely based on the DC Comics character. I like how it says loosely. That's an understatement. Reception. It has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. You know. That's definitely She tried. She tried. You know. I'll give credit where credit's due. Yeah. That's like when you do a paper at the last minute. And you like. (laughs) You like. Turn it in right before it's due. It wasn't there like uh, some behind the scenes with Batman Returns where the some parts of production weren't um, weren't going too well at the time. I'm not I'm not too familiar with the production history of Batman Returns. I'm I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. Although I did read earlier today that apparently the the Gotham City sets took up like fifty percent of the studio at that time. Oh. Yeah, I mean those sets are huge. Like they were like like legit sets too. See, but that's part of a criticism I had. I felt like the movie did not look organic. It looked so like like a facade. Like I mean, uh, like yeah. I, like I wasn't really able to immerse myself in the fact that they were in New York City. Oops, I mean they were in or Gotham. Out. They were in Gotham because it looked like a fake ass set. 
and I just expected better from Tim. I was about to say Tim Curry. I expected <laughs> better from Tim Burton. And his yeah, I mean, to, to be fair though, I feel like you know Tim Burton's version, like his the way Gotham looked in his movies. Oh, that always kind of looked stagey to me. It I looked mean, even so in artificial. Nine, it kind of looked that way. Yeah, but people go to the movies for escapism, and I felt like, yeah, exactly. how could you escape if? The whole time I was watching, I was thinking, it looks so artificial. It looks just so Hollywood. Yeah, that's one of, like, I think one of the criticisms for the Tim Burton Batman is like, one of them is like, oh, it does look a little bit artificial, stagey. I mean, with this, the way the sets are look, you know, yeah, like, especially now with today's, I guess, from with today's high definition TVs, you know, ultra high def, stand, you know, the stuff kind of stands out more. I mean, it's just the effects we have today, though. I mean, the CGI and the other special effects, it just blows all these... Anything pre-2010 out the water, I feel like, you know? Yeah, I would say to an extent, yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of stuff back in the day, the practical, like, you know, like still some of those practical stuff does hold up. I actually really like Tim Burton's designs for... uh those movies the character yeah. designs kicked ass the character designs are whoever really cool. designed the character costumes kicked ass catwoman's costume kicks ass penguin's costume kicks ass i think it batman, was the batman costume michael keaton batman returns oh, wow. is my favorite uh suit from the from that era batman i think it, well you see that's funny you say that because in all those movies i i just can't help but laugh at how batman can never uh move his neck He's just like whenever he's turning, he's just like his whole body has to go with him whenever he's turning. Yeah, which is something that they ended up fixing eventually when they did um, Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. It took several movies before they actually did something. Yeah. No, but yeah, the designs are really good, especially the 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 designs of the of the characters. But what I want to know is why wasn't Helena Bonham Carter in this movie? Well, this was mm, before he met her. Oh. Probably. I'm was assuming. she alive? Before they were a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Yeah. I just figure because he casts her in everything. She's kind of like his muse. Well, was. Oh, they were together? Oh, I didn't know they were together. Oh, oh you didn't know that? No, I just thought she was like... I just yeah, thought... now you know why she was his muse. No, that makes sense why she was his muse. But I feel like he always put her in all his projects and all. I like that, though, when a director has, like, five to ten actors he always puts in his projects, like Wes Anderson, David Lynch. Because I think, I don't know, it's better than just casting randos in every project and hoping that good things come of it. And you get some, yeah, you get some good things from, like, you know, returning collaborators and stuff like that. I mean, he, well, that's the interesting thing. I mean, even in this movie, Tim Burton end up, ended up, he, he worked with all these people multiple times times i mean obviously michael keaton was in beetlejuice and then he did the batman movies and then recently him and danny devito were in the recent dumbo remake yeah. movie together was that good i mean i haven't eh, seen it not really but you know it was fun to see uh michael keaton and danny devito again in a tim burton movie yeah michael cool. keaton didn't have a lot to work with in this movie well, that's just it. The Batman in in these movies is just so underwritten. Yeah, because they always yeah, make him like a brooding dark man. Like my like the whole Keaton, like his portrayal of Batman, I think would have been better if they like you know just put a little bit more meat on like, his character or you know like throughout the film, if you know what I mean. 
I do like him as Batman, though. Yeah, yeah no, I, I feel like he's a good Batman. Even though he kills people 24-7. I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> I mean... Well, if you're into Batman, you yeah, know Yeah, ba- Batman so doesn't people, kill people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. But, I don't know. I appreciate the fact that there's violence in a superhero movie because everybody's always like, but the children, you know. Wait, I have one more Catwoman cl- quote to close out this um, podcast. I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother. No, that's not Catwoman. No. That's all. You tried. I tried. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't claw out uh, Christopher Walken's eyes with her kitty claws. I also don't really understand why she waited the whole movie to kill him. Mm. So many unanswered questions. Like, why didn't she just kill him, like, right after he... If I were her, I would have drugged his coffee with something (laughs) to make him really disoriented. Then I would have opened the window and shoved him out the window. Yeah. Poetic. Like, Selena, what what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> why 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 do I feel so woozy? <laughs> <laughs> Selena, why are you dressed up as Catwoman? He's like Edna. He's like Edna. You're timeless to me. <laughs> Danny DeVito, why are you dressed up as the Penguin? <laughs> Well, Bruce, shame on you. <laughs> God. Yeah, no, but I always laugh though whenever I whenever I watch Hairspray because it's like the um <laughs> the roles between uh Pfeiffer and Walken are switched to like in Batman Returns he's the one that pushes her out the window and then in Hairspray she's the one who's trying to like seduce him. It's it's kinda funny. Yeah. Like I know you. Oh, did we talk about Keaton and Pfeiffer were fucking? So that's why he didn't want her cast as Catwoman originally. Really? Oh, he didn't want her. Well, cast? they were they were like in a relationship. Well, yeah, I, kn- I knew that. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, now you know. Yeah, I guess um, I guess that sexual tension was real then. Oh, it was definitely real. I felt wow. it, I felt it through the screen, and I felt it in my <laughs> pants. They should have yeah. all just had a threesome. Yeah, because you had just Danny DeVito's gross, fat body just, like, getting ridden. Like, just Danny DeVito sitting on Michael Keaton. He's like, ugh. Danny, Danny DeVito's like, oh, Bruce. Oh. And then Cal- and Michelle Pfeiffer's Michelle like, Pfeiffer's like, like, Michelle Pfeiffer's like, she's all like, like my fucking pussy. <laughs> Stop global warming. And then Max Shrek's like, how come cooling. I can't join? Turn the world into a giant icebox. Christopher Walken's like, how come I can't join? <laughs> and they're like, fuck off. God, life's a bitch and so am I. <laughs> yeah, how did she know how to fight? That was such a weird <laughs> thing. She fell out a window. Not only is her neck not broken, her back isn't broken. She sustains no real injuries. <laughs> but she becomes like a jujitsu level fighter where she's like kicking ass, taking names. Where she's going, poof. Yep. Yeah, it's the, it's that the cat plot thing. hole. Maybe she took lessons. No, it's because the pussy brought her back to life. The cats <laughs> brought her back to life. That's better than ever. It's like in the movie Cats where they ha- the cat has to go to the Jellicle ball and Michelle Pfeiffer rises out of her grave. She's like, memory, I'm alone in <laughs> Wait, she's actually in that movie? No, no. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just I haven't seen that movie. Could you imagine so. a Catwoman-Cats crossover? <laughs> I gotta give Andrew Lloyd Webber some ideas. No, she would just end up killing all of them. killing all the cats. 
Or she'd be like, I haven't had a man lick my bush in 20 years. Come here, you do it. And she'll get the cat to do it. <laughs> well, this has been Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-hosts were John and Chris. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Cheers.